Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you could all sit down, I'm going to share the word of God with you today. Praise the Lord. That person that you're giving a hug and a kiss to say it's time to get into the word. Amen. All right. Today's message, it's um, if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, today's message is, is titled Spectacles. Um, when I thought about the word, it kind of um, popped out on me and I wanted just to um, share some things that God was showing me. So if you're taking notes, Spectacles is, is today's word. And, and that's what I want to talk to you guys uh, about today, Spectacles, and, and you'll see where I'm going. The last two weeks, we've been piggybacking off one another, if you've caught on to it. I don't know if anyone did, but we have. We've been piggybacking on, on each other. Two weeks ago, we talked about, uh, and I titled it, how, does anyone remember the, the title of that message? Everybody, I sang for you guys. Remember, plays the fool. Amen. And we talked about being a fool for, for Christ's sake, and we, we, we mentioned that, and then last week, we said that we were all in, not halfway, not I'll think about it, but we were all in, that we we're no longer being at the moment, but now we're going to be in the moment. And we've just been piggybacking off that. And today I'm going to just kind of, it's almost like it was a series, but it's not. I'm going to kind of maybe mention some things and even some scripture that I've mentioned before, but I'm going to kind of finish these thoughts that God has been giving me for the last three weeks as I talk about spectacles today. And you'll see that it's a little bit related to the last two weeks as we jump into this today. Uh, I was researching and I was looking up and, and, and saying, Lord, what do you want me to share to the church? And, and um, I was looking up uh, uh, an individual, and I want to share a little bit of this guy to you. There was a man in 1927, a British philosopher by the name of Bertrand Russell. And definitely Mr. Russell was not a friend of Christians he spoke against God and he spoke against immortality and he would explain why he thought that Christ was, was not the best and the wisest man. Obviously, we could see how he was not a friend of Christian. As a matter of fact, Mr. Uh, Russell was, was a Darwinist. He, he actually once said that the Christian religion as organized in the churches has been and still is the principal enemy of moral progress in this world. Okay? And then he went on and he concludes that religion is based, look, listen to what he says. Religion is based, I think, primarily and mainly upon fear. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty awesome, the song that we sang. He just got the wrong fear. It is partly the terror of the unknown and partly, as I have said, this is Mr. Russell, the wish to feel that you have a kind of elder brother who will stand by you in all your troubles and disputes. A good world needs knowledge and kindness and courage. It does not need a regretful hankering after the past or a fettering of the free intelligence by the words uttered long ago by ignorant men. Mr. Russell, he got it wrong. You know, as I, as I read some of his quotes and I started to think about Mr. Russell, I wonder if Mr. Russell, if he was brought back to life, if he was brought back to life, I, I'd love to hear what he had to say today because he'd already been confronted as he's been brought back to life with the reality of eternity. 
A place where you can't go back on your words, where you can't go back on your thoughts, and a place where you can't go back on your actions. And when I read scripture, what awaits people like this is what Revelation 20 shows us, which is the judgment of the great white throne. And, and, and what will they say when they get there to that place of the great white throne? Will they be able to, say, to, to speak, to say anything at all? Will they weep because of their ignorance, just like Mr. Russell, and because of their rejection towards the sovereign, triune, omnipotent, omnipresent creator God? What will someone like Mr. Russell say if I say, Lord, bring them back just for five minutes? And let's see what he has to say now about these ignorant men called Christians and this false God called Jesus. What do you think Mr. Russell would say today if he would be able to come back from death and say one last thing to you? Anyone want to take a shot at it? What do you think he'd say? This stuff is real. I'm in the reality of eternity. You know, this is nothing new for others and men like Mr. Russell to call you and me people like us ignorant. You know that, right? That's nothing new. For them to call us ignorant because of what we believe, because of what we stand for, the truth is it's been going on for thousands of years. Notice what I said. How many years? Thousands. I won't say millions. Thousands. And I like this because if you really think about it, it's happened since the beginning of time. Think about Cain and Abel. Don't we see that there? Even in the example with Cain and Abel, we see it. You see, church, we have a Lord who has warned us and who has told us that this is common for men like Mr. Russell to say things like this about you and I. And the Lord warned us, and I want to read to you, and he warned us, yo, be ready to enter this stuff. Because it's real and it's going to happen. If you have your Bible, open up to John chapter 15 as we jump into this title today, which is called Spectacles. And these are Jesus' words. And Jesus, I love this, he's speaking to his disciples. And look what Jesus says in John chapter 15. You should all be writing notes. You should have your Bible in church. And let's just jump into this. I think it will come up in a few. If not, take out your smart something. Sometimes my phone doesn't act so smart. I don't know about any of you. Um, but... Um, We'll have it on the screen for you. In John 15, look what Jesus says. Watch this. Follow along with me. Ready? I'm going to ask you to fill in the blank. Ready? If the world blanks you, what? Yeah, just right. He got me right there. If the world hates you, this is Jesus talking. Remember that it also what? That it hated me first. Verse 19. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But look what he tells to the disciples, to the church. But you are no longer part of this world. I chose you to come out of the world. So it what, church? So it hates you. It hates you. Verse 20. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. So since they've persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you and if they've listened to me they will listen to you they will do all this to you because of me for they have rejected the one who sent me so watch what he's saying here they will do all of this to you because of me i love that statement because as jesus is speaking to his disciples he's, he's making a point here and i don't know if you caught it but the point that jesus is trying to make here is this ready it has nothing to do with you or about you it has everything to do about me 
I mean, did you guys catch that? It says it in verse 21. They will do all of this because of what, church? Me, Jesus says. Because of me. It's not because you're a good speaker and you're a good singer and you're so anointed and you're so gracious and you're so glorious. Jesus tells the disciples they will hate you because it's because of me they will hate you. It's because of me, Jesus is saying. It's, it's no other reason but me. But me. And then he goes on and he says this. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. But watch what he says next. But now they have no excuse for their sin. I mean, just underline that thing. They would not be guilty if I did not come and if I did not speak to them. But because I did come and because I did speak to them. Look what he says next. Now they have no what? Excuses. For their sin. I like this because get the point here. The point is this. Jesus is like, I've been there. I've spoken to them. I've been there. I've done that. Now, now. I won't say now. Yeah, now, now they have no excuses. Now they have no excuses. They are all guilty because they've all heard the truth. You guys remember that? Doesn't that sound like last week? James chapter 4 verse 17 said this, what? If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin to them. Here's Jesus and he says, I've spoken to them. Now they have no excuses. They're guilty of their sin because they know the good they ought to do and they still have not done it. They're guilty of their sin. Are you guys with me? That was last week. We're not going to jump into that again. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 12, verse 38, it says, Everyone to whom much is given, much will be what? Required. Much is given to you, much will be required to you. So here's Jesus, and I, and I truly believe that we're still in this day today, that so many people give excuses for their sin, and Jesus is saying, no, there is no excuse for your sin. That's an Amen. Because, because the word of God is clear. Come to Christ, you sin more. We have so many that minister before the Lord. That minister before people. And the truth always leaks out about individuals. So many that call themselves even Christians at work and in their neighborhood. And the truth begins to leak out. And then they try to patch it up so that no one sees the truth about them. And I think right here in this scripture in John 15, Jesus being very clear, he says this. He says, you already know what to do. You already know the truth. You continue to sin. Listen, there's no more excuses. You stop sinning. Love that scripture. Can we keep going? To, I got cut away here. Let's go into verse 23. Verse 23 says, anyone who hates me also hates who? My father... If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, and yet they still hate me, and they hate my father. I love verse 25. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures, and what is written in their scriptures? They hated me without a cause. I love what Jesus is saying here because what Jesus is saying is this, as I get into my point, as I get past the introduction, what Jesus is saying, these 
people that are listening to my words, these Jews, they're fulfilling the Old Testament scripture. And which Old Testament scripture? Well, they're fulfilling Psalms 35, 19, and they're fulfilling Psalm 69, uh, verse 4. And, and, and they're fulfilling their very own scripture, which they've memorized and which they know. And Jesus is telling us this. It's not because of the wrong that you've done, but it's because of the evil that is in man's heart. And that is why they hate you just the way they hated me. It's your persecutor. It's their problem. It's not really your problem. And, and I love this because as I jump into spirituals today, Jesus is giving the disciples a warning. And he says, you're going to do a lot of good. And you're going to serve me in a lot of places. And as you do this, you're going to be persecuted. If you know anything about disciples, we've preached it on and on here. They've all died except the one. They all got persecuted and martyred for their faith. But Jesus says it's not because of the wrong that you've done or that you're doing. You're not really doing anything wrong, but it's because of the evil that is in man's heart. And that's why you will be hated just as I was. Why did I share this introduction? Because I want to put one point. If you're taking notes, write this down. We are spectacles. We're spectacles. And now I'm going to get into the message as I kind of just brush through the introduction but I want to make sure that you understand Jesus' words to his disciples before Jesus even left to be with the Father. If you, if you caught anything from the scripture in John 15, it should have been this. Hey, disciples, as you serve me and as you follow me, please don't forget this. You're a spectacle just like I was a spectacle. That's, that's pretty cool. I'm down. I'll be in the same category as Jesus. And Jesus is like, you're going to have them problems like I had those problems. You're a spectacle. I want to read a scripture that we read last week. I believe we read it last week. Yeah, we did. And I want to just grab that one word for you. It's, if you're taking, write this down. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. If you're taking notes, we're going to go through some scripture today. That's pretty biblical, right? Come to church, go over scripture. Anyone in favor of preaching the Bible? All right, just making sure. I could give you three stories and then we sing a song and we leave, but I figured I'll preach the Bible. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. If you guys could jump in with me. Look what it says. For I think that God has this, I love this, Paul speaking to the church here. God has, underline that word. Some of your translations might say something totally different. Uh, but it will be relative to the word display there. I think that God has displayed us. Us, the apostles. Last as men, condemned to death. You know, when Paul was writing this, he was thinking about the Roman parades that was going on before going to the Colosseum. He was thinking about the Christians that were at the end of the parade that were up and that were made a ridicule. And all the crowds of people before the Colosseum um, gladiator battles would laugh at the Christians that were in the parade. Say, ah, you're going to get eaten by line, eaten by line, ha. Huh? And that's what Paul was thinking about when he wrote this. Do you know that we have brothers and sisters that are in heaven right now that got devoured by lions, devoured by boars, devoured by bears? I mean, they just got torn up by live animals all because of their faith. All because, let me change that, all because they were spectacles. Are you guys with me? And, and as Paul's writing this, that's what he was thinking about. He was thinking about that, 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 that Roman parade going to the Colosseum. And he remembers the Christians hanging out in the back. And he remembers this. And he says, God has displayed us. I, I love that word, displayed us. Because think about it. God has put us on display. Put us on display. Uh, last. Condemned to death. Kind of like those Christians that are on the way to the Colosseum about to get eaten by lions in front of thousands of people cheering their, th them dying pretty sad and look what he says next 
comma or whatever, semicolon, for we have been made a what? A spectacle to the what, church? To the world. Paul is, is so clear here. He's saying, God displayed us to be a spectacle to this world. And I read this Bible and I say, well, why did you do that, God? I'm your child. We're supposed to live victorious. Run on lilies and flowers and smell cinnamon in the air and, 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 and live in your glory. And then hear scripture and it's a whole different scripture than the prosperity gospel that's being preached today. And he's saying this, you're a spectacle to this world. And that freaks me out because, because there's so many people living like that today and we haven't really gotten there yet. But I grabbed this word. Did I scare some of you guys? You guys with me? But he looks at this and he says, we've been made a spectacle to the world. I love that word spectacle. You should be taking notes because I'm going I'm to tell you what that word means in its exact writing. It's the word theatron. And that word theatron is a place that is, we get the word, sorry, what? Theater. He goes, we are a spectacle to this world. The, the, the right word that should have been used in the Greek was theatron. And, and that word, it means theater. Like, like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, you go to the movies and you order some popcorn, you get yourself a nice little chili dog, and you sit down, you sit back, you kick your feet up, and you watch the movie, and you're eating popcorn. Now, what's happening as you're sitting down eating popcorn in front of you on this big mumbo-jumbo screen, the movie is being what, church? Displayed before your viewing. And, and here's Paul, and Paul says, we are a spectacle to this world. Come on, listen, listen. We are a public show. We are a actor in this theater. We are performing before a general audience room. We are a spectacle, is what Paul is saying. Let's, let's keep breaking, breaking this down. Because what an imagery we have here in 1 Corinthians 4.9, we see that God has put you and I on display. Watch this. He is exhibiting us. He is showing us off as a spectacle the way someone would before a public show before an audience or before a theater God is saying I do the same thing with you church I put you on the big screen so that everyone that is perishing dying and going to hell could watch what the life of a believer is you are being seen by many I haven't seen it lately well you are you'll be amazed how many, especially like we're a small church, so you know like you do one thing bad, I find out like the next hour. It just happens. We're a small church. I get phone calls. Guess who I just saw? Who? Splank, blank, blank. Whoa. And he was at, or she was at blank, blank place. Wow. And they were doing blank, blank thing. Whoa. I got to hang up. I got to go get on my knees and pray for that person. Sometimes. Sometimes you just want to. Why did I get that phone call? Yes, because we're a small church and, 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 and we hold each other accountable much more better than we do in bigger churches. But watch this. Why did that happen? Because that person failed to see that they were a spectacle viewed by many. They, they forgot that they were before an audience. And that they were being displayed and they were being exhibited and they were being showed off. And they dropped that for a second. And they hung out with the pleasures of this world. And then those who are sitting down viewing the spectacle said, Whoa, wait a minute. That's not the role that he should be playing. 
And then guess what happens? Things are said about that person. It's not because Christians are hypocrites or because Christians are gossipers. It's because sometimes Christians forget that they are spectacles being watched by many. Are you guys with me? We're spectacles. You and I are spectacles. I'm getting carried away. I want to continue here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. I'm going to read from the message here really quick, and it says this. Father, bless us today, Lord. Does it sound like we're patting ourselves? This is Paul again, writing to the church of Corinth. Does it sound like we're patting ourselves on the back? Insisting on our credentials? I know the translation is a little bit different, but it's okay. Get the point. We're asserting our authority. He's asking a question. Well, we're not. He answers it. We're not. We're not patting ourselves on the back. We're not showing off our credentials and our authority. We're not, Paul says. I just need you guys just to check this out. Neither do we need letters of endorsement either to you or from you. Wow. Wow. Paul's like, I don't, I don't, I don't need you to write a letter of endorsement for me. Paul's like, you got this whole Christianity wrong, man. Let's keep going here. You yourselves are all the endorsement we need. Watch what he says. Oh, man, this is good stuff. Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read just by what, church? Right, just by looking at you. Christ himself wrote it. He wrote this letter, not with ink. Come on, not with ink. But he wrote this letter with God's living spirit. My God. It was not chiseled into stone, but it was carved into human lives, and we published it. Just, just so you don't get so caught up in the message. Let's read a proper, more proper translation. Let's do it. Next, next other translation. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation to be known and to be read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ. And you are written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. And not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. My God. Do you, do you, do you, do you understand what 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says? Do you get what Paul is saying here? What Paul is saying, church, is this. Church, you're on display. People are looking at you. People are hearing you. And they're reading you like a book to see if your pages match the pages of God. Holy. Now when they open up your life, they say, that doesn't match with the word of God. that you stand by and you're like, oh, I got to justify now. It's beca- And then just... Humble yourself, admit your sin, admit your fault, and get right with God. And here's Paul, and he says, everyone's staring and looking at you. But why? Why does everyone always got to pick on me? Church, Paul is saying, because you're a spectacle, just like Jesus was a spectacle. Eyes were always on Jesus, was it not? Hey, Jesus, we just caught this woman in adultery, and we brought her to you. What are you going to do now? What did they do? They didn't care less. What they wanted to do was they wanted to see if Jesus was going to get caught. Define the what? The laws of Moses. They could care less what Jesus was going to do. They just wanted Jesus to go against the law. Why? He was a spectacle being looked at. And if he did one thing wrong, they were going to condemn him for his sin. If Jesus was a spectacle, who said that you shouldn't be a spectacle? Come on, church. We're spectacles. Embrace it, baby. 
Bracey, I'm a spectacle. And I do mess up. And we're spectacles. And sometimes we do turn left. But do whatever you can to stay on that road. Do whatever you can to stand strong. Do whatever you can to stay firm. You are a spectacle. And Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you're being put on display. People are looking. People are hearing. And people are reading. Do you match his book? Does your book and his book come together? So follower of Christ, as I read this, as I look at myself as a follower of Jesus, whether I like it or not, I have to admit as I read the Bible, Lord, I'm a spectacle and you've called me for such a call. I'm a spectacle. What do you mean? Again, I'll, I'll keep breaking it down. I am a public show that is being viewed by some that will support me and by many that will persecute me. You're a spectacle. You've heard me preach this, guys. You've heard me preach that when Paul was walking to his cross, he sang a song to it. You know, you're supposed to sing songs to the people you love, you know. I get home, my wife's there on the couch. Ooh, baby, 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 baby. You know, you, you sing a song to the person you love. You know. Mm, the very first time that I saw your brown eyes. Right? You sing a song to the person that you love. Well, here's... <laughs> And here's Peter, and he's walking to the cross. He's like, mm, oh, rugged cross, how much do I love you? Oh, 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 and, and, and you look at that, and you say, that doesn't make sense, Peter. Doesn't make sense. What happens with Peter? He was embracing the cross that he was going to die because for him it was an honor as a spectacle to die the same death that Christ died. So much of an honor. He said, don't even crucify me the same way. Hang me upside down. Only spectacles could say something like that. Oh, man, I hope you guys are getting this scripture. This, this. What am I trying to say? As a spectacle church, you're a public show. You're being viewed. Many will support Sorry. Few will support you. Many will persecute you. Has anyone here, can anyone say yes, true? And those that persecute you, they will try their hardest to bring you down, to destroy you. And that is why Paul writes, um, let's just go back to the Bible. In your notes, write down Romans 13, 11 through 14. This is why Paul writes down Romans 13. It's going to get good in a few minutes. Watch this. Romans 13, 11, 12, 13, and 14 says this. Paul is writing, and he says this. Ready? Come on, follow with me. This is all the more urgent for you. No, just stop, stop. This is all the more what? Yeah, he's like, alarm, alarm. Urgent, 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 urgent. Wake up, wake up, wake up. The time is now. The time is. I don't know what other sounds this your alarm makes. I can help you out. That's what Paul is doing. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Paul's like, I'm not hitting the snooze. I'm not going to set the time to a different time. The time's now. Anyone hate those wake-up calls in the morning? Well, don't some of us hate those wake-up calls when we read them and we just flip right by those pages? Sometimes, I don't want to read that part, not yet. I'm scared of that page. And God's like, no, 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 no. You read the urgent calls. You, you read that the time is coming quickly. You read the pages just like you love grace and just like you love mm, God forgives the health of the sinner. You also read, ah, ah, ah. 
verses that have to do with urgent, urgent, get your life right before Christ comes back, urgent. Okay, you guys with me? Did I just, like, just blow, vein, burst above? All right, here we go. This is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is what, church? Good. Time is running out. Watch what he says next. Come on, come on, say it with me. One, two, three. Come on, one, two, three. Wake up. Paul's, Paul's talking to the church. He's like, this is urgent. The time's now. Wake up. Wake up, for goodness sakes. Good, I love Paul. I can't wait to hang out with Jesus, and I, but then I'm going to run to Paul for a little while. <laughs> Wake up. For our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Nearer now. Look at verse 12. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives. What did I just say? Decent lives. Come on, what does it say next? For all to see. Come on, are you getting Paul's words? You are a spectacle put on the put off the dirty clothes put on the proper living put on the proper life we must live decent lives for everyone to see come on listen don't participate in the darkness of what wild parties and drunkenness and sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and in jealousy are we there Look at verse 14. Instead, you clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge in your evil desires. Wow. ESV says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision to the flesh and to gratify its desires. Warning, warning. Warning, Uh, 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 uh. get rid of your filth and put on Jesus because too many people are looking at you. That's what Paul is saying. But then we try to justify things, you know. I'm doing this so I could get right. No, 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 no. You get right and then you do things right. You don't do things to try to get right. You live right and things become right, church. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Get with me, man. Get with me because too many of us want to justify things. And try to do things right to get right. And God's like, just get right and everything else becomes right. And Paul's saying, warning, 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 warning. Now's the time. Put on the proper clothes. Get rid of your filth. Do not make provision for flesh. Do not make provision to gratify its sinful desires. Listen, put on Jesus spectacles is what I'm talking about here. And when I read a scripture like Romans 13, 11 through 14, it always reminds me back to Romans chapter 12, 1. And because you already know this scripture by memory, I'm not even going to ask you to turn to it, but you should know it. And Romans 12, 1 and Romans 12, 2, it should make more sense to you once you're, get, once you're getting this message into your brain. Why? Because some of the key things that he's telling us here is, number one, present your bodies as a what? As a living sacrifice. How do you do that? Get right. Number two, make sure that it is holy and it is what? Acceptable to God. Number two, living sacrifice. How do I do that? By living holy and by living acceptable. What is holy? I can't walk on water yet. Exactly. Holy means you are set apart. You are a 
you are like a theater that is on display. You are a public show for everyone to see. So you need to be set apart because too many eyes are on you. You, 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 you got to be set apart. You got to be holy and you got to be acceptable to God by presenting yourself as a living sacrifice church. Hope you're with me, man. Number three, he even goes on. He says, but don't conform. Don't conform to the patterns of sin and the patterns of this world. But what, church? But I need you to do me a favor. Come on, come on, come on. Don't conform, but be what? Transformed. You know, transformation only happens by the Spirit of the Lord. Can't do it any other way. You can't run to the mountains of India, say a little chant, find isolation, and you're going to think you're going to come back and be transformed. Miami's headaches are going to be waiting for you. Say, welcome back. I hope you liked your little Himalaya experience. Now you're back with reality. Yeah. You can't sit behind, you can't sit in front of a big bellied individual and pray and meditate and think that, hey, when you get back to work, everything's gonna be okay. No, no, guess what's gonna happen? Welcome back to reality. The Spirit of God is what brings transformation. Okay? Spirit of God. You could take up hobbies, you could search the depths of the sea and the height of the mountains, but the Spirit of God brings transformation. It's not alcohol. It's not a club. It's not a girl. It's not a man. It's not a this. It's not a that. It is the Spirit of God that will transform your life. Don't conform, but be transformed. And I love what he says next. He says, you do all this so that you could prove, you could prove what? You could prove what is the what? The what? The will of God. But I love how he calls the will of God what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. You know, when I read that letter, Romans 12, 1 and 2, it makes me feel like if I'm being watched. How about you? Because why do I have to prove the acceptable, perfect, and good will of God if no one's watching me? But Paul says, you be ready to what? Prove the will of God to people that don't know the will of God. How many people have you won to Jesus this last year? Is that a question that pastors are allowed to ask? But y'all better have an answer. If not, you better check your faith. Are you proving to anyone the acceptable, perfect, holy will of God? Are people coming to you because they see something different in you? They're viewing you. They're checking you out. You're a spectacle. But people look at you and say, that guy, that girl, say, Jesus. Church, we are on display, and the truth is some will like it, many won't, but watch this, watch this. Some need to see it anyways. Why? Come on, let's get real with it. It's not for you, it's for Christ, and it's for his glory. Uh, some of you were here on, on Monday when we went to the outreach thing, the, give out pizza and water, and we, I'm just praying, Lord, how can I communicate the gospel so I don't draw them away, and I want them to get to know our faces before we ever start preaching Jesus, we want to show them love. And one of the things that I told the guys that were here early, I said, guys, remember why we're going over there? We're not going over there to really play basketball. Some of our guys, we got them, we forgot. <laughs> but we're going over there to show the love of Christ. We're going over there first to show them that there's a people in this community that actually want to spend time and love them. Basketball's next. Why? Why would I say something like that to a group of people? Because I want our church, brothers and sisters, to realize that we are on display. And who cares whether people like us or people don't like us? 
The point is we still need to do it because it's for his glory, it's for his purpose, and it's for the name of Jesus Christ to be glorified. We got to do it anyways. We're a spectacle. Can you say amen to that? I'm going to read more scripture to you if you don't mind. In 1 Corinthians, I'm all over Paul's face today. I'm all up in Paul's face. Well, actually, Paul's all up in our faces. <laughs> Who are we to be up in his face, right? Paul up in our faces today. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, as, as I'm getting um, close to just run through this and wrap it up, here it is. Paul says this. Are, are you guys with me? Give me an amen. All right, here we go. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, this is Paul writing, I didn't come and I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan decided that while I was with you, that I would forget everything. I love this. That I would forget everything except what? Jesus Christ and Christ what? Crucified. The one who was crucified. But I came to you in weakness and, and, and trembling. Look at verse 4. And my message and my preaching were very simple, were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, look what he says. I relied only on the power of the of the Holy Spirit, I did this so that you would trust, come on, that you would trust, not in human wisdom, but in the what? Wow. But in the power of God. Paul's message is clear here to the church of Corinth, and Paul's saying this, ready? I want you to know him, watch this, and make him known. I want you to know Jesus and make Jesus known. Isn't that our calling here at New Life? Know Jesus, make Jesus known. Know Jesus, make Jesus known. Paul is saying the same thing. I could have used big words. I could have flattered you with my speech skills. I could have used advanced vocabulary. But watch what Paul says. I kept it plain. And my plain, simple message was Christ and Christ crucified. Are you guys with me? Why did Paul do this? So that you can see it's not in my power that I relied on, but it's on the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not in human wisdom, but it's in the power of God. I did this so that you could not be flattered with Paul with Jesus, my God. I want you to know Jesus and number two, make Jesus what? known baby that's what Paul is saying to the church here well why Paul why would you tell the church something like this in 1 Corinthians 2 verses 1 through 5 well I think Paul's answer to us today if he was here in the flesh would be this one new life it's because we are spectacles everything I say and everything I do is being seen and I just want to make sure that as I am being displayed and I am being exhibited and I am being shown off it's not me that gets the applause in this audience or in this theater, but it's that it's Christ that gets the Christ that was, and it's Christ that gets the applause, it's Christ that gets the glory, it's Christ that gets the honor, it's Christ that gets the praise. Church, we are spectacles, all for his purpose, all for his glory. Nothing that we have and nothing that we can do or nothing that we've ever done is for us. It should be never about us, but it's for Christ. He's displayed us, and in return, we display him. That's what Paul was saying. I could have used a vocabulary that allowed you that you would have needed a dictionary, but I did not do that. I kept it simple so that you could know Jesus. My God. We are spectacles, and God wants us to do our part. 
Listen, church, write this down in your notes. God wants us to do our part as spectacles, and he wants us to finish our mission. Can I go to scripture again? John 17, 1 through 5. This is an easy message to prepare because it's all Bible, man. That's it. Just open up the Bible. It's all over there. John 17, 1 through 5. Watch this. This is awesome because Jesus is praying to the Father. And look at his words. Look at his prayer to the Father. I love this prayer, by the way. As Jesus is praying to the Father in John 17, verse 1, look what he says. When Jesus spoke these words, watch what it says. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said what? Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify what? My, my God. What, was, wasn't this what Paul was preaching? I was put on display so that I could put who on display? Him. Here's Jesus. And Jesus is like, I was put on display so that I could put who? Father, you on display. So that I could glorify you. Look at verse 2. Since you have given him authority over all flesh, Father, you've given me authority over all flesh. To give eternal life to all whom have given him. And look at verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, me, whom you've sent. And I love verse 4. I even highlighted it in my notes. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you what? Wow. I mean, are you guys getting this? This is the same, this is the same Jesus in Genesis chapter 1 where it says what? And the word made. And the word made the heavens, the word made the earth. This is the same Jesus that created all things from everything. This is creator God incarnate in the Son. And look what he tells the Father. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Wow. Verse 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world even what? I love this. I was there even before the world existed. I was there. For all of you guys that, that, that think that Jesus was not there before and he's just now a thought in God's mind. No, no, no. We don't believe in that doctrine. Jesus was there, is there, and will continue to be there. What does verse 4 show us? Verse 4, if you're taking notes, shows us this. Come on. Jesus always kept his eyes where? Up. He kept his eyes on the Father. He kept his eyes on God. It's his work. It's God's work. It's the Father's work. And, and I'm doing my part, Father. And, and this speaks to me and you as followers of Jesus. And it's to do our part as well. Listen, to finish our mission just like Jesus finished his mission. To finish our work the same way that Jesus finished what? His work. That's why the Bible says, if you're taking notes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. It's so awesome. It's so awesome where, where, where Philippians is even showing us uh, this exact this exact scripture of, hey, listen, your work would be finished. And the day that it is finished, it is the day that Christ comes back for you. You are a spectacle. You have a mission and you have a work to do. Finish the work. Finish the mission. Keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes on heaven. Isn't there a scripture that says what? Seek first the kingdom of God and what? Kingdom of God and all of its righteousness and all things shall be what? 
put into place, should be added unto you. Being a spectacle, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you four points really quick. Like if I haven't given you enough points. Number one, being a spectacle, number one, will not be popular. Write that down. Will not be popular. Many times it will cause you to go against popular belief. Times where you'll have to go against crowds, not popular because you'll stick out. Listen, church, come on, man, you're holy. What does holy mean? You should know this by now. Holy means that you are what? Set apart. And really to be set apart is not really in these days. Everyone wants to be like someone. How about you be like Jesus? Number one, being a spectacle will not be popular in these days. Number two, being a spectacle will not be understood by most. Number two, being a spectacle will not be understood by most. Let me explain to you what I mean. Not everyone understands, write this down next to number two. Not everyone understands the calling of God in our lives. I know my family doesn't understand it. I'm sure parts of my wife's family might not understand it. I'm sure part of your families don't understand it. That you have a life. That's why you're different. That's why you don't go places. That's why you don't do things that certain people do. Because you're set apart. Number two, understood by most. Come on, just follow along with me. Romans 12, 1. You live a Romans 12, 1 and 2 life. You present your body a living sacrifice. You're holy, acceptable to God. That's your reason of living. You're not conforming to this world, but you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you could prove that perfect, great, acceptable, perfect will of God. That's what you live by. But number two, being a spectacle will not be understood by most because they live a... 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, type of life. Many people, most people in this, I, I just, I'm, ending this, I'm ending the message. I really need you to catch these points. Many people will not understand because they live by 1 John 2, 16. That's their model. That's their way of life. Here it is. Ready? For all those, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, that is not from the Father, but it's from the what? It's from the world. Uh, are you guys with me? That's what the world lives by. 1 John 2, 16. You live by Romans 12, 1 and 2. Number two, spectacles will not be understood by most because of your stance. Number three, let's keep going here because I could just start preaching on that. Number three, being a spectacle will only work in Christ's strength. Write that. You know what I wrote right next to that? Stay humble. No pride. One of the most sickening things to see is a prideful individual. So sickening that Jesus, that God, Jesus was there, kicked out Satan out of heaven because there was pride. It's sickening. Sickening. Pride is sickening. Number three, to be a spectacle, listen, it's not going to work in your strength, in your talents, in your giftings, in your might. It's only going to work in Christ's strength. Amen? Stay humble. 
no pride. My last point is this, and I want to make some points before I end. Number four, being a spectacle will only work, please write this down, in the right hands. In the right hands. You want to be a spectacle for Jesus? Your life needs to be in the right hands. Can I give you an example? Put a basketball in my hand. Cost $20 from Walmart. That's all it is. It's not going to get anywhere. I mostly lose when I play one-on-one with people. Put a basketball in LeBron James' hands. It's $100 million. The basketball was put in the right hands. You guys are with me? You got that analogy? I could keep breaking it down. Put a baseball in my hand. Probably pick up some rocks, and I might be able to hit a few rocks. I'll miss a lot of them. But in someone else's hands, it could be a million-dollar contract, like A-Rod, a $200 million contract. Could even give him a spot in the Hall of Fame. But you put it in my hand, I might get lucky if I hit a piece of rock. It all depends who you put the ball in whose hand, the bat in whose hand. Let, 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 can, I'm going to keep going, ready? put a slingshot in my hand it's just a toy when I was young I used to make little slingshots made out of rubber bands and I got real good because I I learned how to double them up real good and I used to make taquitos anyone remember that my generation lived off taquitos that was my generation taquitos for the American folk is this it is a piece of paper that I folded so much and it's like a rock that literally I got so good at it that I'll get a slingshot. I would launch that big thing back, and from the back of the... Ah, I would hit one of my friends. A slingshot in my hand. Listen, listen, listen. It's just a toy. But you put the slingshot in someone else's hand, the right hands, it's a weapon that will destroy their greatest enemy and bring victory to a whole nation. It all depends whose hands you put it in. If I grab some mud... Excuse me for my disrespect in front of most of you. And I put some spit in the mud. It's just some nasty clay that I made. And now I got to wash my hands. But you put some mud and some spit in the right hands, don't make the blind see. It all depends whose hands you put it in. I'll keep going. You give me a staff. And I wouldn't know what to do with it. I would hit people across the calves with it. I'd throw it in the air, see how many times I could spin it and catch it. I wouldn't know what to do with the staff. But you put the staff in the right hand, that staff will split open a sea and cause millions of people to walk on dry land. It all depends whose hands you, you put the staff in. You give me five loaves and two fish, I got a fish sandwich ready to serve people with. That's all it is in my hand. Give me some mayo, it'll taste even better. Especially you get that mayo with some garlic in it. But you give the right person five loaves and two fish, 
They'll feed over 5,000 people and still have 12 baskets left over to show how glorious and miraculous he is. It all depends whose hands you put it in. Come on, church. I could, I could just keep going, man. I could go all the way from Genesis all the way to Revelation with examples, man. Because if you give me some nail and some wood, I'll, I'll make a, 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 a dismembered, mongolic-looking kind of creature-looking kind of emblem. I don't know what I'd make, but you give some wood and, and some three nails to hands, they might uh, bring salvation to all of humanity. It all depends whose hands you put it in. I'm here to tell you that if you want to be a spectacle, point number four, it will only work in the right hands. You, you want to be a spectacle. You, you want to live for Jesus. You know that the world is watching you. Get yourselves in Jesus' hands. Put yourself in God's hands, and you'll see what he'll do with your slingshot. You'll see what he'll do with your staff. You'll see what he'll do with your nail and your wand. You'll see what he'll do with everything that you have because you're not powerful, and you're not enough with your own gift and your own talents. But if you grab everything that you have and you put it in the right hand you'll never understand and you'll never get the point of what God will try to do with your life it all depends whose hands you're in it all depends be a spectacle church people are watching you are reading you, are looking at you. Be a spectacle. It's not going to be popular. It's not going to be understood by most. It'll only work in Christ's strength. And number four, it will only work in the right hands. I end with the words of Paul to the churches and to Jesus. Watch how I've grabbed most of my verses today and I make it into a concluding paragraph. Watch this. I can't believe that I was able to do this. I'm going to stop making fun of myself. I do that too much. Here we go. I end with the words of Paul to the churches. We have been made a spectacle to the world. So keep your message and your preaching simple, relying only on the power of the Holy Spirit. Church trusting not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Putting on Jesus daily, making no provision for the flesh. Being certain that God who began this work in us will continue it and finish it on the day that the Lord returns for us. That my words and my prayer would be like Christ and that I can say I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I'm a spectacle. I hope you guys could join forces and be a spectacle. For Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for this word. You're calling us to be spectacles. Calling us to stand out because the world is watching. And we are being put on display. For everyone to see that we put you on display. So Lord, I pray that this word would melt our hearts, would strengthen our lives, that would transform our being. That from this day forward, this word will cause us to never be the same again. 
From this day forward, I long to be a spectacle the proper way. Transform our lives. Let us never be the same. Bless our Sunday, our time with our families, and let us have an awesome week as we come back on Wednesday for our midweek service right here. Let it be a glorious service. Come and visit us in a mighty way. I pray for those that are sick today that couldn't make it, that you would be with them, that you would heal them, that you would cover them, that you would provide for them, that you would love on them. Lord, we thank you for this word. No altar call today. Our heart is open to you. Make us spectacles. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. And together we say, amen. Can you give God some praise?